Yo, Ryan Hartley here from Always Betting Yesterday. Today's episode is slightly more long form and it's not an interview. This is a pre-recorded uh, live that I gave within our Facebook community all about my key takeaways from the Health Optimization Summit that I attended back in May. Uh, you'll remember I had Tim Biohacker Gray on the podcast um, and he is the founder and the host of the Health Optimization Summit. Uh, he invited me as his guest and I had an amazing time. I met so many incredible people, uh, listened to so many incredible speakers, and I took lots of notes. So this is part one of sharing those notes. I hope they help you and inspire you in some way. If you have any questions, email me podcast at abty.co.uk. Here we go. Pre-recorded live. If you are not part of our Facebook community and you'd like to get access to this content when it's live, just simply head over to Facebook, search out we are always better than yesterday and we are your community, your place of belonging, your place of support and encouragement. We simply ask that you come as you are and I hope that you get to leave a little bit better. Here we go. Health Optimization Summit, Key Takeaways, Part 1. Part 2 will be out in two days' time. There we go, recording live, Ryan Hartley here in the Always Better Than Yesterday community, sharing my insights from the Health Optimization Summit. So I was very fortunate enough to be a guest of, of Tim Gray, who is the host of the summit. Um, and yeah, I really want to, in the spirit of giving back, I always just want to be sharing my learning, um, because I think that's how we all, all benefit, right? Sharing my learning. So I'm just about to share my screen. If you're catching up with this on replay, let me know. If you've got any questions, still feel free to ask them. Uh, and here we go. Just make sure that you can see my screen. And Elaine, great to see you. Abby, great to see you. Luke, great to see you. Uh, and Layla, thank you all for being here. Um, there we go. Cool. The slides are working. Let's crack on so the the chap in the middle here is tim gray you can find tim on instagram he is at tim biohacker uh, and be careful when you do because uh, when you see some of his posts that educate us on some of the things that maybe aren't in the mainstream media you'll be faced with something called cognitive dissonance which is that mental discomfort the, that reveals the gap between what we know and what we do <laughs> And uh, Lisa and I have suffered with this many times when we've learned something from Tim and we've gone, oh, now we're faced with a decision. Do we carry on doing the thing we know now to be unhealthy? And I guess two examples of that, of uh, changes that Lisa and I have made as a result of Tim's contact is I no longer use these wonderful things, these AirPods. Why? Because they emit high electromagnetic frequency, which is effectively like a microwave direct to your brain. Um, how close they are and how much they emit. Um, so I, I don't use those anymore. I've gone back to the, the wired cables. Um, and secondly, um, we've got rid of our microwave. So the research found that so often uh, microwaving um, foods and liquids would turn them into carcinogens. So we made the decision to do what is difficult. And so often doing what's difficult is, is going against what is ultimately convenient. But we had that cognitive dissonance we knew we had to do something so that's my that's my caveat to following tim on instagram do so for the education 
but uh, be careful because you will be confronted with a, a discomfort <laughs> that will make you feel like you need to do something. Or you just rationalize it and justify it and live in denial. That's, that's also an option. <laughs> so I'm just going to make sure I've got the comments up here. Can we have the Zoom link? Are we staying on Facebook? So the Zoom link is in the, um, in the description. Let me just make sure I've got no one waiting in the Zoom room to, to try and join. I am struggling to find. There we go. So no one's asked to join. If you do ask to join, just put a comment saying that you, you're coming in and, and I'll let you in. Um, okay. So Health Optimization Summit 2022 was Tim's event bringing 33 world-class speakers all together in London. It was an incredible two-day event. There was a, um, it was in the London Business Design Center and there were, in the atrium, there was like a hundred different brands. So I got to meet loads of different brands that Tim personally recommends that are um, doing great things in the health space. I got to try lots of supplements. I got to try lots of activities, um, all designed and geared to help us and leave us better in some way. There were 2,200 like-minded human beings all at this event. Uh, and I got to connect with some really, really cool people, really, really cool people, um, and yeah, here we go. Here are some of my key takeaways. I've done it in two, two parts. So today, um, oops, Zara on my Facebook, he's streaming live. Yes, there's some comments going on in the group. Um, so today I will be sharing part one, which for me is all about... Um, some of the basics. The number one takeaway I took from Tim is that you can, you can go down this rabbit hole of biohacking. You can find so many wacky and wonderful ways of uh, optimizing our health. But the word biohacking is just simply trying to make improvements. It's trying to optimize our health and so often, a lot of it is undoing a lot of the issues that have been created by modern life. I guess what we don't have is the ability to see the way that things used to be. And if we just look around and see that the way that things are now, and we see everybody struggling and suffering, we just assume that that's part of the course. We just assume that that's part of being a human being without realizing that life as we know it has changed so significantly that it's no surprise why we suffer is so many different ailments if we just take the time to unpick some stuff. He says it can be a rabbit hole, and there are so many cool and fun things to do. There are intravenous drips. There are supplements we can take. There are activities we can do. But he said none of that means anything. None of that matters unless we have the basics. And when I go through some of the basics, you'll realize that it doesn't matter if you're doing you know, great things. If you don't get these things in place, then the ripple effect will just be so significant that it will undo any progress that any, any um, supplement may be able to give us. So 
Are there any questions before I get cracking? Any questions before I get started? Cool. If there are questions, please do put them in the comments or feel free to jump in the uh, Zoom room and come and ask me your question in person. The link is in the description of the live. Um, and Zara has finally made it. Great to see you, Zara. Thank you for being here with us. You haven't missed anything other than the fact that I've just said that uh, the, my key takeaway, my number one takeaway, is that the most important thing is that we focus on the basics because no weird and wacky and wonderful uh, biohack or health optimization technique is going to matter if we do not have some of the basics in play. So what are some of the basics? The first one I want to cover is breath. And some of you might be familiar with the work of James Nestor and, and, the, and the book Breath. I know I've been a bit of an evangelist of his work. Um, and you'll know that, um, that actually breathing, <laughs> my, my friend Chris, who's, uh, who is my secret troll, who, does, who gives me beans about my uh, sunrise and sunset pictures on Instagram, he takes the mick out of me when I go to my gym to do breathing. He's like, why do I want to get up at 5 a.m. and learn how to breathe? I know how to breathe. I've done breathing all my life. <laughs> and he's got a point, right? But it's blown my mind how much I've learned that actually we as um, modern humans have just lost the art of breathing properly. So there's so much that I could share on the topic of breathing, um, but I'm, I'm not an expert. And I don't want to get into too much of the, the science without being able to articulate it clear and understanding. So my, my advice is go and read Breath by James Nestor. Go and read some wonderful books by Patrick McCowan, The Oxygen Advantage. Um, and I think he's got The Breathing Cure and there's one other book. Uh, Patrick was the speaker on this occasion that I was listening to and these are my key takeaways from him. There is an epidemic that has it that is being caused by not breathing properly. So there's a number of ways with which we're not breathing properly. Sometimes we are um, shallow breathing, so we're not getting the depth of breath. Therefore, we're not getting the volume of oxygen into our body, meaning that our brains get starved of oxygen, so we can't think clearly. Our organs get starved of oxygen, meaning that they're going to manifest some form of uh, disease over a long period of time. Um, our lungs begin to shrink in capacity because we're not using them to their full potential. Um, and we're not using our nose. Um, and what Patrick is saying is that our mouth has nothing to do with breathing. The proper way of breathing is through our nose. And what you know, I found in the book from James Nestor is that when we do breathe through our nose, we get 16% more oxygen per breath. And the reason is that when the, no, when the breath goes in through the nose, it activates the release of nitrous oxide. Nitrous oxide helps um, turn or, or, or with the facilitation of oxygen uh, in the body. So it's basically a more efficient way of breathing, less effort, same, same volume of breath, but it's more efficient because you're getting more oxygen per breath. And what he's saying is that because we don't sleep properly, because many people, many men particularly, they're snorers, 
there's not the, the nose isn't open um the, the sleep disorders lead to a trickle of secondary diseases so poor sleep will then lead to a variety of things like the immune system's not working inflammation um all sorts of things i'm, I'm not really an expert in in the knock-on effects but if sleep is disrupted um then we're not getting the restorative and restful sleep that's needed means it's going to affect our mood it's going to uh, affect us as leaders because so much of leadership is about having calmness and clarity of mind and if we're you know already going into leadership situations tired we're going to be ineffective so it's amazing how breathing can be a powerful resource for leaders um because actually it's been shown that the opposite also is detrimental one of the things that patrick says is just tape your mouth at night for deep restorative sleep um and, and i'll explain why i think this is um important when we talk about nose breathing being 16% more efficient, getting 16% more oxygen, what that means is that per breath, we're getting more oxygen through our body. And when we consider that that oxygen is, is um, sending good, healthy, clean blood to our organs, and it's getting rid of all the stuff that, that is that, you know, is cleansing as we breathe out. Um, that's a long time, you know, eight hours, if we're in bed for eight hours or whatever that might be. And, and what it also does is it activates different brainwaves. And again, I'm not really an expert on brainwave states, but there are certain brainwaves associated with the various stages of sleep. So we'll have light sleep, we will have um, REM sleep, and we'll have deep sleep. And um if we're if we're getting interrupted by snoring and sleep apnea, we're never going to go through the full cycle of the deep and REM sleep that we need to help with our memory. That's going to help with our um, body healing. So these are all the things that don't happen when we have disrupted sleep. Taping our mouth as claustrophobic as that might feel. I mean, I've tried it for a few times. Um, should you do that every night? Really good question. Um, we don't deal with Beverly Knight, so the shoulda, woulda, couldas, it doesn't really apply. Should you? No, you do what you want. Um, but uh, ultimately, if it comes down to it, if it leaves you better, it's worth doing. So I think in the early days, I mean, I don't do it every night and I need to get some more tape as I run out. Um, but I know that when I do that, I have deep restorative sleep. I want to do it more often. I didn't want to do it to start with because it just was a little bit kind of, ooh, because you panic. I, I think it feels a bit claustrophobic. I panic a little bit because sometimes our nose feels a little bit tight. But what I've learned is that the nose, when, it's, when we breathe through it, it has the same type of tissue as our genitals. So there is erectile tissue within our nose that expands um, when it's, when it's used, when it's activated. So our nose effectively gets bonus, <laughs> uh, which is great because that is exactly why when I use my nose to breathe more often now, I wake up with a very, very clear nose, like clearer than it's ever been. And I've got into the habit now where I'm finding that I'm naturally more nose breathing. So taping at mouth is great. Uh, taping your mouth at night is great. 
to build the habit of, of becoming more of a nose breather for, for sure. The other thing I've learned is that the breath is the gateway for regulating states both up and down. And what I mean by states is, um, is for example, if we're just about to run 100 meters, right, we want to, we, we're able to regulate up, which is prepare to for high performance. And we can use breath by breathing in short, sharp, <sighs> Because what that's going to do is going to flood my body with oxygen. It's going to pump up my heart rate and I'm going to be ready physically for action. Um, and this is also what happens if we're under stress. We, we change our breathing subconsciously because it's flooding our blood to our limbs, preparing us for that fight or flight. What I think is the most powerful thing a leader can do is use breath to regulate down a state and anytime i've i've had to give a presentation in the police i knew that if i just slowed my breathing down it just brings my heart rate down um and the heart math institute will say that if you make your breath out longer than your breath in you will slowly create heart mind coherence and you will create um, you'll slow your heart rate because as you breathe in, you create less space for your heart means it has to beat harder and faster to get the same amount of blood around the body. When we breathe out, there's more space for the heart, meaning it has to work less hard, meaning it can be lower beats per minute and it creates coherence. And it then sends out that electromagnetic frequency to the brain to say, we're good. We're all good. Um, and the way that that's described is that to create that conversation between the mind, the sorry, the heart, the mind, and the nervous system, breath is a great way of saying what is an appropriate way for our body and our mind to respond to the situation that we face. And our breath can be a way of doing that. So often, we will, and this is the whole Bruce Lipton stuff, the perception of the bumblebee, right? If we fear the bumblebee, we will respond with short, shallow breathing uh, because we're stressed in some way. And cortisol will flood the body. Um, oxygen will go to our limbs, not our organs. And we will affect our ability to think logically and rationally because the capillaries in our brains shrink and our immune system shuts off for the temporary time. If that bumblebee is there and I learn to slow my breathing, the exhale, slow, cool, calm, collected, tells my brain we're good. We're calm. We're okay. We're not under threat and we have all that we need. So if you want to create heart connection and mindset clarity, it's the slow breathing out that is going to calm your nervous system down. One of the things that I have found so life-giving is imagining that as I breathe in that cosmic stardust, the hand-me-down stardust, um, that it's a life force energy, that I am alive and kicking because of that breath within me. And therefore, I see that as such a presence of the universe, of God, you know, because because it's in me, it's alive, it's, it's sustaining me the same way that I'm, it connects me to nature and the trees and that symbiotic relationship. 
the minute we start to see breath as something significant, we uh, we can allow that life force to to energize us and, and to almost imagine it like light coming in and restoring us. And as we breathe out, we're getting rid of all the stuff that's bad and, and, and that we don't want it to be present. And we're not really good at thinking, you know, so no, so we, we go to school and we get taught stuff. We get taught how to learn, but we don't really get taught how to, um, how to focus. We don't get taught how to focus on one thing. And breath is such a great way that can help us focus on just one thing, just that one thing at a time. Uh, and that is simply the definition of, um, of meditation, singular focus. Uh, and another guy called, I think it was DeRose Meditation. Uh, I can't remember his name specifically, but he, I went to one of his workshops and he said, if you have little time, it is more effective for you to do breath work than it is meditation, um, mainly because of the brain waves that we require to get to during meditation for it to be effective. Whereas breath work will give us all the benefits, all the um clarity of mind all the health benefits um within that short period of time and it will then activate the brain waves should you have then a bit more time to go in so when i go to the gym we do breath work and then we go straight into a meditation after which means my brain has been prepared for that brain wave um more associated with um with uh meditation rather than alert consciousness so those are my key takeaways for breath. I could talk about this all day um, because it just blows my mind. It's something that we're we're just doing all of the time, um, but we're just so unaware of it. My my friend Mike has a YouTube channel. It's called Breathcast. He interviews all sorts of wonderful people all about the power of breath. I think he has just had someone on from the HeartMath Institute here in the UK. So I'll be checking that one out soon. And if you like doing um, breathing exercises, we've got David Florence, who was at our event on, on the evolution of Dave. He does breath work on his channel, as well as Dan Vadne, which is um, breathwork beats, which is something that I use very often. So go and check out those channels. Very, very good if you want to learn to harness the power of the breath. But I can't emphasize enough. If you're feeling stressed, irritable, under pressure, anxious, learning how to downregulate through the power of slow deep, calm breathing. It gives an access to presence of mind, clarity of mind, peace of heart, even in stressful situations. Patrick McCown, I think, teaches um, all sorts of people, you know, from, from lawyers to, you know, people who have to, uh, you know, control uh, snipers, for example. Um, really, really powerful breath, the power of the breath. Oh, number two, one of my other basics that I learned from a variety of speakers, including this guy, Dr. Sachin Panda. <laughs> I told all the kids at the uh, the assembly last week that I had a friend called Dr. Panda. I said, did they believe me? They're like, no, <laughs> I, was like, I do have a friend called Dr. Panda. So Dr. S uh, Sachin Panda wrote a book called The Circadian Code. Um, and I want to share with you a few of the lessons that I took from him. Ultimately, what I said is at the very start is that 
so many of these things that benefit us, they're actually undoing what modern society has done for us. So when you when we talk about ancestral living, we're talking about getting back to the ways with which we would have been. So number one, circadian rhythm is our natural programmed rhythm within our bodies. And what Sachin has found through his scientific research is that our circadian rhythm is most effective when we find the right rhythm at the right time. And the way with which we find that right rhythm and the right time is when we synchronize with the outside world. And that's amazing, isn't it? Because, you know, Bruce Lipton on his podcast, he talked about Lamarck um, theory of evolution in 1809. And, and Lamarck in 1809 said that um, human beings or man will suffer when it starts to separate itself from that with which sustains it. Meaning man has started to separate itself from its symbiotic relationship with nature. And are we struggling? Yes. <laughs> We are struggling as a, as a species. We are starting to struggle some ill effects of separating ourselves from nature. So getting a good circadian rhythm is getting back to the rhythm of nature in relationship with nature. And the way with which we start that synchronization is through the eye. And, and I'll explain a little bit more about what the perfect 24 hours in a day look like, but Sachin showed on a different slide, and I imagine he um, shares this in his book, is that if you have a broken rhythm, it can lead over a long period of time to chronic diseases. So many ailments can be linked to a dysfunctional circadian rhythm. And as you can see on this image, it involves four things, this circadian rhythm. It includes um, our sleep, our exposure to light, our being outside and the window with which we eat. So let me explain that in a little bit more detail. Sleep. So what you can see here is um, the time window he suggests is, is have eight hours in bed. Have eight hours in bed because that allows one hour of kind of getting to sleep. And then it, that hopefully sets us up for that ideal seven hours of sleep and what he's been able to do is look at the genetics the genome of of um of human beings and see kind of what activates what works at certain times of the day i'll expand on that in a little bit more in a second but what he says is we we go to bed when it's dark and some of the problems we have that are no longer ancestral living is um is our exposure to light at the moment, I have a light on. I have a ring light here, uh, which means I'm being exposed to more light now that isn't natural, meaning my circadian rhythm is being stretched longer than what nature is saying, because nature is saying that we're getting dark. And when light stops to be produced, again, when I say it comes through the eye, when sunlight hits the eye, it stops the production of melatonin. Melatonin is the natural chemical we produce that induces sleepiness, um, as well as a number of other things that uh, gets transmuted into DHEA, which is the anti-aging drug, um, at, at different stages of our, of our cycle. So if I'm not getting sunlight through my eye, it's producing melatonin. My body naturally prepares itself for sleep. 
um, so that when I get into bed, assuming that I've not had exposure to unnatural light, I will sleep effectively. However, we have electricity, we have blue lights, we have devices. That means we're staying up later. Our circadian rhythm isn't kicking in soon enough, meaning that the first cycle of our sleep is not deep, it's not restorative, it's not great for us because we've done something unnatural um, and we've subjected ourselves to something that isn't, isn't great. What he says is that when we wake, we should try and expose ourselves to natural light as soon as possible. Again, synchronizing to the outside world. What we're doing is we're exposing ourselves to the light. And what that does is it starts a clock. It starts a clock pre-programmed that says in about 12 hours time, we're probably going to be preparing for ourselves to downregulate and start to heal and go back to sleep again. So as soon as we get up, as soon as we can get out and look at the sunshine, um, that's going to be really good for just getting our circadian rhythm in the, in, in the right um, alignment as possible. I don't know the science behind this too much, but he says avoid eating within the first hour of waking up. He says wait at least one hour until you have your first calorie. There are a number of reasons for that. I can't remember at this stage, um, but it, again, all, all of this is mapped out thousands and thousands of participants looking at DNA, DNA sequencing and, and the effect that that has. But the next thing that he says is really important is, is movement. You know, ancestrally, we didn't have jobs that stayed indoors. We didn't have jobs that sat down all day long. You know, we're, we're built for kind of four hours of walking movement every single day. Um, he's not suggesting that we do that, of course, but he says that that's us, you know, we're capable of that. Um, but we, we've come far from it. So he suggests that we need to be at least outside in daylight for 30 minutes a day. If you want to know more about this, um, Zara, go and check out the circadian code, Dr. Sachin Panda. Um, he says 30 minutes at least of daylight and 30 minutes at least of movement activity. The next thing again is, is about grounding. If you wanna create synchronization with the outside world, we amass these positive ions throughout the day and um, they, they create heat and tension within the body and they need to be discharged. The way that we discharge um, our positive ions is to connect them with negative ions. And the only negativity we need to be around is nature because nature is full of these negative ions in, in plants, in trees, in grass, in, in the floor. If we have barefoot connection with, um, with nature, even just short exposure every single day, it can reduce inflammation in our, in our joints and in our muscles because we are no longer keeping that sustained positive uh, ions in our body. It needs to be healthy to have an interaction, positive, negative to, to recharge. Grounding, really important. Again, Darren Olian, who I spoke to at the event as well, if you watch his documentary with Zac Efron, the first thing he did to try and get over jet lag was to walk on the grass in Paris. Why did he do that? Because he wants his body to pick up the electromagnetic frequencies of local nature so that his body starts to work in harmony with the nature that he's surrounded with. He understands that we work in harmony with nature. One of the things that he says is that um, 
as human beings in, in, in our current lifetime is that we have food so readily available that we can eat from the minute we wake to the minute we go to sleep. And what that means is our eating window can be anything up to 15 to 18 hours. Um, and he says that ancestrally, food wasn't so readily available. And ancestrally, we would have had a window that was smaller when they would have eaten their calories, meaning, and, and this is a lot of research into this, to say that you can eat loads and loads of calories during a certain time-restricted window, but your body is so effective at burning that um, that it, it, it doesn't matter. You, you can just burn through it um, without uh, fat uh, storing. So I'm not suggesting that fasting is, is what we need to be doing, but what, he, um, but what he's saying is that if we can restrict our time-eating window, then our bodies become less susceptible. Obviously, it comes with, it, with good nutrition, but be careful if you're listening to people like James Smith. Um, as funny as he is, he's not very educated on the benefits of, of fasting and the, really, the real true impact of uh, you know, ancestral restricted time eating. He's not really educated on the fact that all calories are not equal and that some are more nutrient-dense than others. So just be careful not to listen to him too much because I, I, I've, I've read so much from other people that um just reveal that his his lack of of education really so what sachin is saying here is that ideally if we can reduce our time eating window to 12 hours great you know we and i'll tell you why that's really important in a second um we're even better if we can reduce that window down to eight so we in all of our calories within an eight hour window um not eating within three hours of going to bed why is that important because what he has talked about is epigenetics what he's found is that there are some genes that are turned on and this is the bruce lipton stuff based on the environment we present itself so our genes associated with the digestion of food are turned on when we have food within our system the problem comes is that at some point they need to turn off and our restorative healthy um, genes need to switch on. We need to, we need to hand it over and allow all the genes associated with um, healing us, restoring us, uh, recovery that, that needs to take, and that doesn't get activated whilst we are full of food. So what he's saying is restrict your window, make sure you don't eat between two to three hours of bedtime um, meaning that we have the cycle in a good natural rhythm, meaning that our gene expression and our gene activation can do what it's naturally born to do. And I've started to track on my recovery watch. If I eat too late, if I drink alcohol, if I'm doing these things too late, my first sleep cycle is going to be ineffective because I'm not in recovery mode because my body is still in digestion mode. Digestion and restoration two different things they need they they're done at two different times and if we eat too late too close to bedtime we're, we're we're not handing over to the restorative and if we're not restoring we're aging so with these cycles not being right with us eating too late with us not sleeping well enough the byproduct is aging why are we aging well because we're not restoring so we're speeding up that process of aging because we're not doing what our body is naturally capable of doing, which is restorative, just, uh, restorative, recuperative, um, regenerative and healing. 
epigenetics basically says that our gene expression responds to the environment that we place it in. So make sure that we're not over consuming food too close to bedtime. If it happens, it happens. So, you know, so be it. This is education, isn't it? Once we know better, we can do things that, that help us. Um, you know, I'm sat here with, with bright lights talking into it. Uh, I, I'm clearly, you know, not creating an environment conducive to my circadian rhythm right now. But I know that things we can do is no blue lights or we can get blue light blocking glasses turn off all the blue lights we can create candles because that's natural yellow light yellow and red light which is which is fine um because it's not going to keep us too alert um and, and awake i appreciate that was a lot there's a lot of information there's so much to digest but the the perfect day is is go to bed consistently be in bed for eight hours wait at least one hour until our first calorie Eat all of our calories within an eight to 12 hour window. Two to three hours before to go, we go to bed. Make sure we're not exposed to blue light. Make sure that we're not eating food. Make sure that we've moved at least 30 minutes a day. Make sure that we've got exposed to daylight. And jobs are good. Then. It reduces our, you know, heart disease, blood pressure, cholesterol, diabetes. A circadian rhythm that is in check keeps us healthy. Uh, and the last thing is, you know, for any shift workers out there, it's been listed as a carcinogen, meaning that shift work can cause cancer. Why? Because it's disrupting, it's counterculture, it's counter nature. You're working against your natural rhythm, you're eating at the wrong time. You see, every, I used to do it, you know, it's the 3 a.m. cold. It's awful. It's not good for you. It's not sustainable. And it's recognized as a carcinogen. Next time, next time, uh, I shall be um, sharing more about lifestyle. So the things I learned from these good people here, like Ben Greenfield, John Gray, Darren Ullian, and Diana Rogers, is all about the impact of some of those conveniences in life. You know, we've got to a point where things are so convenient that actually we don't realize how harmful they can be. Stuff like tap water, stuff like deodorant, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going to go there, guys. You're going to end up chucking everything out. Um, the, the, the things like Bluetooth, things like 5G and electromagnetic frequencies, the propaganda that's going on about meat at the moment that is just um, incorrect propaganda. Um, it's, it's, it's a hidden... Well, we, we can go into it another day, but it's money oriented and it's uh, it's lies effectively and, and slanderous and a misrepresented research funded by corporations that. Um, yeah. So we'll talk a little bit about me and, and, the, and the differences between um, healthy choices and, and not so healthy choices, uh, the impact of those that we surround ourselves with, the impact of, you know, our love and our family and our relationships. Again, this is, this is probably one of the basics, you know, you can do all these hacks, but if the person, people that you live with are, are, are causing you grief and problems and challenges and your relationships are hurting, it don't matter if you're doing all these supplements and cryotheric chambers and all these sorts of things, because there are some things that will just completely undo it. And if they will undo it, then if we get it right and working for us, then they can be a great source of, um, of health you know i think if we truly believe that 
that love and connection is a source of health, then wouldn't we want to make sure that we've nurtured that? And, la and lastly, meditation as well. So that'll be what I'll cover next week, two weeks time, two weeks tomorrow. Um, so I'll do the same again. If you've got any questions, be sure to uh, let me know. And Tim said something that made me, you know, he said that we're biohackers at heart uh, and biohackers are always learning and always improving. So I've adapted that a little bit, but, um, you know, we're always better than yesterday, which means that we're biohackers at heart, which means that we're always learning. It means we're always trying new things. It means we're always improving. And when we gain feedback from our experiences, we can reflect on that, learn what helps us. And, and my point is simple. Try so many things that you get a library of stuff that works and stuff that doesn't. Because if you try something and it doesn't work, great. Guess what? You've learned something you don't need to do again. So you discard it. Find the stuff that works, keep doing it find the stuff that doesn't stop doing it um simple formula plus one minus one do one more thing that's good for you do one less thing that's bad for you um and i think that is what it means to be better than yesterday is simple progressive one plus one minus one so i hope this has been useful I hope this has been helpful grace thank you so much for joining uh, robin marcella great to see you earlier today thank you for the hug um good so if you've got any questions nikki thanks for joining if you have any questions please let me know i will respond to them in the comments if you are listening on catch up feel free to email me podcast at abty.co.uk uh, and i'll be sharing another one in two weeks time which will all be about lifestyle have a great rest of your day appreciate you being here lots of love my friends There we go. Some fascinating insights. I do not profess to be an expert. I am simply interpreting some of the insights and the lessons that I've taken from those good people. So be sure to go and follow the people that I've mentioned so that you can get your learning experience direct from the source and keep journeying with curiosity. Keep having this heart set and this mindset of doing one thing that helps and stopping one thing that hinders. And that is how we continue this journey of being always better than yesterday, one step at a time. Uh, if you have any questions, anything you'd like me to help you personally journey with, then I'll of course reach out. You can DM me on Instagram at always better than yesterday UK. You can email me podcast at abty.co.uk. And if you want to subscribe, if you're not already, if you want to share this with someone else, that would be uh, gratefully received. Have a great day. Always love.